Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction patio book series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Book Two, Street Candles. Today's installment, Chapter 13. paced the highway, but stayed well out on the plain or tundra or whatever it was. Hoping to be invisible, I knelt down behind the high grass whenever it looked like a vehicle was going by. Several air cars flew back and forth from the factory to the area of the travel port, but never directly over me. I was cold, my hands and feet especially. I'd read that Barlow's axial rotation was something like 50 hours long, and a quick check of archive data in my wrist comp revealed that my present locale was currently 20 hours into the daylight half of this cycle. I had but five hours until nighttime, therefore, and a stunning drop in temperature. Without shelter, or at least some of that cold gear I'd seen on the vids, this meant five hours until I started to die. Griselda I needed to jump on the local nets and from there contact the ship. That would take time, though, and I couldn't afford to stop until I'd found a place to rest. So I walked and walked. The hours seemed to fly, in a mounting menace sort of way, yet for the longest while it didn't look like I was getting any closer to the factory complex. Intellectually, I knew this to be an optical illusion. You ran into it in space all the time. A station that looked close enough to touch might take half a shift to finally crawl up on. The bigger the structure, the more pronounced the effect, and this one was quite pronounced. I had been clomping and splashing through mud puddles on just adrenaline, but it was ebbing now, and fatigue was setting in hard. Light was fading, and shadows laced out from the dark grass bundles like even darker roots. Eventually, right about dusk, I finally approached the structure, or rather structures, a sprawling, refinery-looking thing with several massive buildings, I mean really huge. A couple dozen smaller ones were also sprinkled here and there, along with pipes and cables and crazy-looking electrical devices of enormous size. There were no fences or walls around any of this, just bam, here's your factory. The highway passed right through, with one of the big buildings straddling it like a malformed giant. There was no one to be seen, though some drones were hovering about. These could either be a major problem or no problem at all, depending on their models and parameters. If they were security bots, well, some were designed to observe and report, while others were granted the power to arrest. A few models might even kill if they saw you as a threat. But factory drones? Considering how everything had gone so far, I thought it best to assume the worst. I skulked around the side of what appeared to be a power substation, buzzing in the growing twilight. Pausing for a minute or two, I just watched the area. Strangely, there were still no people. 
timed lights were just coming on now. Exterior floods, neon caution signs, and tiny blue blinking ones that were placed here and there for no obvious purpose. There was little in the way of snow on the paved grounds, but there were some puddles and low spots that were icing over. My feet had long since done the same. I was starting to think I'd have to blow up some other big machine and cuddle up for warmth. A drone floated past, suddenly and silently, just in front of me. It was a cylindrical affair, holding itself upright, with a series of red and white stripes like a barber pole. It cruised mutely by, and then continued on around a corner without pause. The thing must have noticed me, but it never offered a challenge or even slowed down. Whatever it was a sentinel for, strange people skulking about in the growing shadows were not apparently on the list. I couldn't take the cold any more after this and tried the very next door I came to. It was in the side of one of the massive buildings, plainly marked with a sign designating it as Main Building 4 West Entrance in both low speak and English. The door slid open at my approach, but the place was pitch black inside once it closed behind me. I called out for the light, but either voice activation wasn't wired in, or it wasn't working. The place was warm, though, which was all that mattered. I could hear a series of faint thrums coming from many directions at once, and had a sense of space around me. Rather than stumble about by the candle glow of my wrist comp's pop-up hollow display, I just sunk down against the wall a few meters from the door. My retinals had a rudimentary light amplification feature, but it was pretty crappy and always gave me a headache, so I resolved myself to darkness. I took my wet boots and socks off and stretched my toes. Oh man, I was weary. And thirsty. I'd actually taken in a few mouthfuls of clean snow as I'd walked along and let them melt into soft, bitterly cold water that made my teeth hurt, but it hadn't been enough. There must have been a fresher around this place with running water, but I just wasn't up to the search. The last thing I did before my thoughts faded into the surrounding shadow was set my wrist comp for a two-hour wake-up. I needed two days, but I couldn't afford to get found by either loyalists or revolutionaries. Not in my sleep, and with a weapon on me. Who was running this factory now? The company? The Barlow government? The rebels? Oh, I should call this ship. Yeah, I... I should. The wrist comp's steady vibration and corresponding flashes of alarm light in my eyes felt like the jerk of a fish hook. It pulled me up out of a state where there was no fretting or thinking or even feeling, a blissful oblivion. My thirst and now hunger were immediate presences as I opened my eyes in the same complete darkness. But more pressing yet was the need for information. I scanned for networks. There were several open ones, though it took a while to find something that wasn't just a factory interface. Each was in low speak by default, but I found other options after some searching. These systems should have picked up the language preferences from my rig as soon as I jumped on, then switched all their directories over to English. They hadn't, so they were likely constrained by policy, design, or obsolescence, all of which were unsettling under the circumstances. The language issue would be a problem, I realized. 
If I ended up chatting with the locals, either on the nets or in real life, I would need a better vocabulary than just a low-speak word for no. That meant I either had to find multilinguals who wouldn't think it odd that all I spoke was English, or I simply had to keep my mouth shut, and I wasn't good at that either. I put these thoughts aside as I flicked through a rather long list of detected networks. There were dozens of them for the factory. Purchase sites, remote meeting net apps, general information, shipping, personnel, and a lot more. Nothing for the factory offered an open link to the outside. Somewhere down the list, though, I came across a bunch of nodes from beyond the immediate location. One of these got me onto a master index of private nets, many of which I'd previously seen up in orbit. I tried to jump onto a couple of these, but found I needed an account. Dell had seen to some pre-registration process for Griselda concerning the Barlow WorldNet before we'd even arrived. Strangely, this didn't seem to extend to private, anonymous users sitting alone in the dark. Annoyed, I passed over these locked-up portals and instead did a search for any open radio nets. I had to dig pretty far before I found one in range, something calling itself Frindoomsiar, or Freedom Wave, as my comp translated. I had the HIDOC's orbital details saved from one of the sims I'd run before, so I knew it to be on the other side of the planet at that moment. A call using the data nets would have been routed through major communication systems planet-wide. Any connection via radio net, on the other hand, would require relays through other, even more remote radio systems. This would go on until the HIDOC was finally within range of one on the other side of the world. Yet there didn't seem to be that many radio nets on Barlow. Only four or five were publicly listed at all. This was shocking. They were ubiquitous in every other gravity well I'd been to, and even on many stations. The radio nets had a very proud history, going all the way back to the legendary ham operators of Terra. They were independent, free, and ready for any emergency. Independent and free were apparently two things the Barlow government didn't like in its citizenry. That might change in the coming days, but for the moment, the pickings were slim. I logged on as anonymous to Frindo Omsiar and keyed my jaw mics on. Then I cleared my throat and quietly said, Hello, um, anybody logged on who speaks English? Uh, over? There was nothing for a long while, though more than two dozen users were logged on and, I suspected, chatting privately. Finally, I heard a groan-scrambled voice make a reply, with a seizure-like strobe accompanying it as a video feed to my retinals. This part I cut immediately, but I left the audio running. The user's registered name was Kingfisher. Go ahead, Anonymous. Over. Groan scrambles were particularly nerve-grating, with each precise audio frequency substituted for other tones culled from a variety of sources, the most popular being sex vids and torture porn. This one seemed like something even more exotic and irritating. The original purpose of scrambles was to foil voice prints. The best of these used human-like computer-generated vocal tones. Grown scrambles, on the other hand, were incredibly noxious, which seemed to be the very point here. Thank you, Kingfisher. I need a link to the independent Pelican-class merchant freighter Griselda, currently in orbit. The high dock is almost directly opposed to my position on planet, and I'm looking for a private link ASAP.
I cannot contact directly with my current hardware. Can you help me? Over. I can, but I won't. Over. Oh, great. A jerk. Now I had to ask him why he wouldn't help, so he could lord it over the entire universe by making one anonymous stranger on the nets shake with impotent frustration. Can you clarify? Over? You can take your chances with the rest of the elitist pigs, you pig. Over. It's impossible to catch the original inflection or tone of voice of such a scrambled message, but the words were certainly clear enough. Kingfisher, I am a member of Griselda Crew, currently stranded on the ground. I repeat, can you help? I forgot to say over, and I just hung there in the wind until it occurred to me. Radio nerds can be like that. Over. You're an elitist liar. You're looking to avoid your due judgment. Over. Kingfisher, no. I am a crew member on Griselda. If I can prove this to you, will you help? Over. There was a long pause then, as Kingfisher of the migraine-inducing voice chewed it over. Anonymous, what is your location on planet? Over. Kingfisher, I am approximately 15 kilometers from the Barlow Travel Port. Over. Describe the port. Over. A smoking ruin. Over. An even longer pause then. I was hoping he was confirming that statement instead of just mulling it over, or worse yet, jerking me along. Finally, my wrist comp bleeped softly with a private chat invitation from Kingfisher. I dialed over to it, and a new voice said, almost immediately, What is your name? Over. It was still scrambled, but he'd switched to something far more neutral. Not natural-sounding, really, but at least it didn't scrape my senses like a cat climbing a blackboard. Ejoc de Santos, Griselda Stewart. Over. Another pause, then... What else do you do, Ejoc de Santos? Over. That was tricky. If Kingfisher had thought to log on to the public nets and do an info search on Griselda, our latest update, flashed ahead automatically upon entry into the system, would be easy to find. All of Griselda's shareable details, such as ship class, officers, owners, and any licensed specialists aboard, of which I was one, were publicly available. On the other hand, it would be available to anyone trying to impersonate me, too, so what could my answer prove? And on the other other hand, if I admitted to being a gunner, Kingfisher might dismiss me as an off-world mercenary hired by the elitists, or as a warmongering sympathizer, or as any number of unhelpful things. My indecision had already eaten up more time than I could comfortably afford in this context, so I made an unusual choice. Kingfisher, I am also Griselda's licensed gunner. Over. Another pause. Ejoc de Santos, what is the estimated range of a Browdenbrook Yellow EMP missile? Over. Kingfisher, can you repeat? Over. He did, and it made me frown. Obviously, this was a pop quiz, testing whether I was a real gunner or just some scared rich boy looking to buy a ticket out on the only starship within light years. But a Browdenbrook EMP? There were tons of missile manufacturers out there. A few big names, sure, but a whole lot of little ones, too. 
I even met a married couple once who built custom designs by hand in their home workshop. Thousands of models by dozens of manufacturers in the Alliance territory alone. Who could be expected to know that kind of information off the top of his head? I'd never heard of a Browdenbrook, but that didn't mean there wasn't one. Additionally, EMP warheads were mass-effect devices and so strictly regulated. There weren't any such weapons being legally produced for civilian ships, which meant this was likely a military contractor, an area of knowledge I simply wasn't versed in. I could do a library search in the gunnery database I always kept installed on my wrist comp, but it would take time, something maybe Kingfisher didn't think a real gunner would need. Kingfisher? I don't know. I've never heard of Browdenbrook. Could it be rebranded? Are there any other names it could be sold under? Over? Long pause. Ejac de Santos. No, there is no such thing. Browdenbrook Yellow is a type of locally produced grain cheese. An elitist would have known that and called me on it, revealing himself. The only right answer was the one you gave. Why are you on the ground? Over. Yep, I was right. A jerk. It was an accident. I'm currently separated from two other crew members and several passengers. I need to check in with my ship and let them know I'm alive. Over. Why wouldn't you be? Over. Kingfisher, because there's fighting on the ground. I thought this was a free radio net. Over. Ejoc de Santos, keep your speculum in. Yes, it's a free net now after years of repression. It is not. Repeat not. Open to elitists. However, I will help. Over. Thank you. Over. There was yet another long pause, then... Ejoc de Santos, I am successfully patched into your ship's switchboard, but Griselda is dropping all my connections. Do you have a particular com port I should try? Over. No, I don't know. Wait. Yes, I do. Try, uh, 20222-0. Let it go to voice verify. I'll do the rest. Over. I'll be using an encrypted line piped to a private broadcast band, but it's still very bad practice to voice verify via remote radio. Over. Kingfisher, dying on a foreign world is even worse practice. Over. Ejoc de Santos, don't be a baby. Connecting now. Audio only. Over and out. There was yet another long pause, but this one was filled with layered static, beeps, and other odd sounds. Eventually, I heard a canned version of my own voice coming faintly through a wavering whistle that went up and down the scale, like opera for whales. You've reached the Alliance Root Trader Griselda, gunnery station. Please verify. Ejoc dos Santos, I said slowly and carefully. A moment later, the distinctive and vaguely feminine computer voice of the ship's switchboard chimed in. If you know the extension you wish to reach, please state it at the tone, or say menu for a list of options. Command, I said. It bleeped once, twice, then a very confused De Laredo responded. What the? Gunnery? Ejoc, is, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Paz. Look, I don't have much time. I'm on the ground, and I need to know where... Wait, what? You're on the ground? You're on Barlow right now? Naturally, he was surprised. 
Naturally, I immediately took offense. It was his tone, the way he spoke. It irked me. I accidentally stowed away on the shuttle that brought Carmi and Dell down. I couldn't follow them when we landed, and now I don't know where they are. What are you saying? You mean they're on the ground too? Why would they be sent down there? No idea. Ransom, maybe? That doesn't make sense. The rebels have been in contact, but they didn't say anything about this. Oh, Ejok, you're trying to, what, rescue them? Are you insane? No, strike that. I know the answer. Pause, I interrupted in a coarse mutter, hearing a noise just then off in the building. It was a distant hollow clunk, like a door somewhere shutting closed. Okay, yes, there were some mistakes made, but since I am down here, maybe I can do some good. You can yell about it later, or fire me, or whatever. Right now, you just need to sit tight. That's the last thing we're doing, he said, replying, in my mind's eye, with that characteristic ferrety disapproval on his face. The rebels are demanding we open our hatches and let them in. And they actively refuse to release the dock clamps. Gasto and Sherry are working on a way to break us free. Okay, then what? Then we leave, Ejok. What do you think? You'd abandon your crew. Under these circumstances? Absolutely. With danger to the ship, Gasto and I have the legal authority to do what we need to do. Oh, really? And did you run that across Dell to see if it sticks? Oh, wait, that's right. God, but the guy could push buttons. I stopped a moment to collect myself. Begging for patience would be more successful if I displayed some myself, but it was a sore challenge. I was about to speak again when I heard another door close, this one quite near and off to my immediate left. I held any further comment to Griselda's first officer, as well as my breath, and closed the connection. The overheads did not come on as I expected they would. Instead, the cylindrical figure of the drone I'd seen outside, or another exactly like it, floated silently into view from around a corner. It had subtle glow-paint markings of the same red and white striping, not bright at all, but notable in the darkness. Also distinctive was a sloppy, blue-glowing box star in its center, obviously applied by hand like so many others. The machine stopped two meters from me. Asestoso frache tuo. It asked in a slightly metallic, though distinctly male voice, Distrobo e paintuo. Oh, this sucked. Repeat that in English? I asked, hopefully. Do you need assistance, brother? Are you upset or in pain? Yes, I'm, I'm cold. I need cold gear. Then I raised my fist high, just in case this was also the robot rebellion. Uh, long live the revolution? Freedom for all. This unit has been liberated from the elitist oppressors and placed into the hands of the People's Union of Free Barlow. This unit is designated as a fire and safety patrol drone. Current outside temperature is minus four degrees and falling. This temperature is dangerous to all exposed patriots without cold gear. You are not currently exposed. I have to leave, but it's too cold for these clothes. It is dangerous for you to leave without cold gear. I know that, but I have to go. Are there any stores of emergency cold gear here? Yes, but you are not currently exposed. 
I sighed. Fighting with Aylareta had gotten me warmed up for this inanity, but it didn't mean I had the time to waste. I started to put on my socks and footwear. If I go outside into the cold, can I get some cold gear? This came out in a grunt because I was fighting with my left shoe. Everything was still damp, and it was a struggle. It is currently minus four degrees outside and falling. It is dangerous for you to be exposed to those temperatures without cold gear. Once finally shod, I dragged myself to my blistered feet, using the wall for balance. Oh, man, was I stiff. Oh, God, it even hurt to think about how much it hurt. Are you in pain, brother? Uh, yeah, my leg's in my back. I stretched and heard crackles and pops from about every joint in my body, and maybe some of the soft tissue, too. Would you like something for the pain? Remote shiatsu? Endorphin stimulation? Perhaps a nerve block? Or would you like me to summon an emergency transport from Freedom Hospital, formerly the Thomas W. Billings General Medical Center? No. Wait, yes, I'll take the nerve block. Nerve blocks had all but replaced chemical analgesics in most of Ain's space, since they could be mass-produced, had no major side effects, though some people claimed the things gave them a rash, were non-addictive, and produced very good results for both head and general body aches. I used them a lot. The machine floated slowly in the dark until it was right in front of me. Then I heard a hum and could vaguely make out a strip of ribbon ejecting from a hidden slot on its side. Please tear off the nerve block strip and place it around your skull like a headband. It will adhere to itself, but nothing else. Nerve blocks work on the principle that all pain is registered by the brain and... I still need cold gear, I interrupted, taking and fastening the strip in the prescribed manner. You are not currently exposed to dangerous temperatures. Emergency cold gear cannot be dispensed except under emergency conditions. Follow me, I said, turning in the dark toward the outside door. I took two steps, then tripped on something I'd somehow missed before and stumbled to my knees. Are you injured, brother? No. Is it too dark in here? Would you like some light? It didn't wait for a response, but simply triggered overheads in the room. After hours in the dark, despite the weak glow from my comp, this hurt my eyes considerably, and I swore, squinting. It turned out I was in a large storage room. A single bright glow line was overhead, while the rest of the place stretched out eerily into darkness and silence. There was stuff all around that looked like cleaning supplies. I had stumbled over a plastic wrap unit of clear tubes containing what might have been liquid soap. You said you're a safety drone? Yes, I am. Drone SD-11. You have supply bundles right in the middle of the floor where people like me can trip over them. Why aren't they on a shelf? I was annoyed, tired, hungry, thirsty, and in pain. But I was curious, too. There was a lot of disarray in this room, what I could see of it. Boxes and crates were tossed about as if there'd been a brawl. Off in the shadows, it looked like some tall shelving had been knocked over. Containers were torn or ripped open, like items were with unlike, and random mounds of packages were everywhere. Candy would have had a coronary. This is a violation of several basic safety procedures, the robot admitted matter-of-factly. It has been logged and reported 73 times by this unit and others. 
Do you wish to make an employee safety report? Why hasn't it been seen to? It has been reported and noted on the last 73 safety patrols and appears on the last 73 patrol reports submitted to the facility's chief safety officer. Who doesn't work too hard, I muttered to myself. That would be difficult for her. She is dead. Dead? For how long now? Nine local days, since Stilda. Since what? Stilda, the day of steel. The day our fight for independence began. It will live on in the glory of our destiny and lend hope and freedom to our progeny. Chief Safety Officer Gazim Dancia was an elitist traitor cow who has seen justice at long last. She was dragged screaming from her office at 1317 hours on Stilda and made to pleasure those she had formerly oppressed before summary justice was served. She begged for her life like the craven trollop she was and admitted to all charges leveled against her. She was then shot and incinerated to remove the trash of the past so as not to stain the future. Full details may be found in Safety Patrol Report number 1817.29 SPR and is on file with the Chief Safety Officer. Long live the revolution. Do you wish to make an employee safety report? I had seen fire and shooting and death. I had been frozen nearly through to my vital organs. I had been stranded on an alien world all alone, yet none of that had left me even half as cold or horrified as those vapid, recorded words. Why are there no workers here right now? Work has been suspended since Stilda, so that all true patriots may focus on the vital business of freedom. Then there's no one else here? I do not have that information. However, there is no scheduled work at this time. The quiet and safety of this place now seemed illusory. There could easily be angry workers sleeping off an orgy of violence in the next room, or a patrol of them stomping around somewhere, just looking for more enemies of the new dawn to rape and burn. I hefted my bag and moved towards the door. It is currently minus five degrees outside and falling. This temperature is dangerous to any person exposed without cold gear. Come on, I grumbled. Once outside, I turned to the drone and spread my hands. Well? This temperature is dangerous to anyone not wearing cold gear. You are not wearing cold gear, brother. Do you want to go inside where it is warm? No. It is a violation of safety standards to be outside after dark without cold gear. This incident has been logged. I don't have any cold gear with me. This facility's safety standards require you to obtain and use emergency cold gear immediately. The nearest emergency storage locker is 41 meters to your left. Can you follow me? Yes, and I did, around a corner and across a wide, empty loading zone. There was a dark, burned area right in the middle, but no ash or anything else objectionable. Maintenance drones would have swept up Chief Safety Officer Gazim Dancia and thrown her away in a tidy, efficient manner. I still gave it a wide berth. I followed the robot to a massive pylon that had what looked like power and material feeds running in and out of it. It was actually semi-attached to the same building I'd just come from, 
but with its own power subsystem and a dozen or more steam conduits feeding in, which were as big around as a man was tall. This was one immense operation, and the machinery looked well maintained. There was a small locker, painted hazard orange, mounted at the base of this pylon, and the drone wirelessly unlocked it for me. Inside were shrink-wrapped bundles of emergency cold gear. Your need for emergency cold gear could be due to your own negligence and may result in disciplinary action. For the efficiency of any follow-up investigations, are you willing at this time to volunteer your name or employee identification number? Which way into town? I am sorry. I do not understand the question. How far is it to Finery? You are in the city of Finery, District 11, Zone 14, Building 22, at Fractional Distillation Unit 9. Is there a downtown? The Finery Retail Center is located in District 5, Zones 2 through 11. How do I get there? One may walk or use the automated trams. After wrangling with its long, outdated logic programming for a few more minutes, I was able to get directions to the nearest tram stop, about 200 meters away. I also asked directions to the nearest fresher, which it led me to in silence, before continuing its patrol. It wished me a pleasant evening as it vanished into the dark. Inside, I took care of some business, then cleaned up a bit. I also got some water to drink. It had the same bland, tasteless flavor as the recaptured and distilled stuff aboard ships and stations. I found that comforting. The cold gear, composed of thin, self-fitting garments, were bright yellow in color and utilitarian in design. They went over my borrowed, filthy jumpsuit from the station, and so adorned I thought I looked ridiculous in the mirror, though perhaps a bit more like a native. I found the tram stop and waited only about ten minutes before a single automated car, about eight meters in length, floated into view on buried repeller tracks. Even though this was one of the last stops, and there was no work going on per se, it wasn't empty. Three adults, a man and two women, and a little boy of about four or five, asleep in the man's lap. They sat wearily off to one corner, but perked up nervously as I climbed in. They each wore blue armbands, even the boy. Seeing them, I realized I hadn't thought to put mine back on. I produced it and did so right then. The man, who appeared elderly, put his hand in his pocket as I took my seat on the opposite end of the tram. He just kept it there. One of the women, who looked twenty or so, though it was hard to tell through the grime, soot, and what might have been blood smeared on her face, placed one hand in a bag in her lap, just like I did. But I nodded their way as easily as I could manage, then sat back, watching them through lidded eyes while trying to act like I wasn't. I'm sure they noticed, because they were doing the same thing to me. We all rode in silence, as the robotic car, warm and dry, though graffitied and quite dirty inside, continued on to the last three stops, deeper inside the factory complex. Outside, I only saw darkened buildings and intermittent pools of light. Everywhere there were pipes, cables, and other mysterious stuff branching off into the darkness like a metal rainforest. At the end of the line, the tram halted for the same few moments, then started back on its programmed route. 
I realized then that my fellow passengers had likely been riding this thing for hours. That meant they were on the run, with nowhere to go. Funny how much you can have in common with total strangers. You have been listening to Street Candles, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com or drop me an email at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called Icor by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. The Street Candles theme is called Undercover by Karsten Holy Moly and can be found on dig.ccmixter.org. This production is otherwise copyright 2013 by David Collins Rivera and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Street Candles is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person living or dead or any particular place or situation. Thank you for listening. Take care.